Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Nicole Candelaria, who was diagnosed with both Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis in 2008. Then in June 2017, she was later diagnosed with ileitis and perianal Crohn's disease. She's here to share her journey and how she balances life with IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nicole, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here and be able to share my story with you. And I think it's amazing what you're doing, being able to share other stories to spread hope. And I know how lonely this uh, disease can be. So thank you again for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And, and you're spot on. This can definitely be a lonely disease. And so it's, you know, thank you for coming on to share your story because it does make such a difference. And I'd actually, I'd wanted to have you on for quite a while. So I'm glad that we're finally, you know, we're finally getting a chance. I to know. So I know there's just been so much going on, which I'll definitely get into. Yeah. <laughs> <as> we, <laughs> well, let's go ahead and let's not waste any time. Let's jump right in. Um, a lot of the listeners know that I like to start off by asking about your IBD journey. So why don't you go ahead and talk about what it was like when you were getting diagnosed and how your diagnosis finally came about? Yeah. So, you know, this all started back, believe it or not, my symptoms started in... October of 2007. And actually, I didn't even know that these were symptoms of Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. I um, had just started my first semester at college. Um, and, you know, I started taking all these science courses. I wanted to be a pediatrics nurse. So uh -huh. all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, into my first semester, which is pretty much the month of October, just when I started, um, I want to say studying for mid the mid semester uh, exams, mm -hmm. I started with diarrhea mm -hmm. and abdominal pain. I didn't think anything of it because I thought, okay, maybe this is stress related. Um, you know, you hear from family members say, oh, you know what? That's what happens when you stress yourself out. It'll go away. So one week turns into two, then four and then all of a sudden we're in the third month and it's the diarrhea has gotten a lot worse. I can't um, hold down food. The abdominal mm -hmm. pain just got worse. And you would think, oh, why did I wait so long? I didn't know any better. Yeah. So um, I then, you know, told my parents like, you know, I need to see a doctor. This has, this is not normal. So when I went to my primary doctor, she ran several tests and she even did a stool culture test and everything came back normal. So mm. at her point in time, she's like, you know what? I have to turn you over to a gastroenterologist. She had a suspicion of what she thought it could be, but because she wasn't a specialist and she couldn't do the, the test that the digestive doctors could, mm -hmm. she couldn't quite say what she thought was on her mind. And she, you know, oh, no. don't want to you don't want to mm -hmm. scare anyone either. So when so I did, she not say anything. Or did she kind of she, skirt around it? She skirted around it. She's like, you know what? When you see the the digestive doctor, once you have your diagnosis, then we'll 
come back to me and, and we'll discuss everything from there. How did that um, make you feel? I would imagine that would add I, to the anxiety. It, of- it sure did. It made me very nervous because I had no idea what to think. You know, I went from, I'm the oldest in my family. I have two younger brothers and I was the most healthiest. I was mm-hmm. always active in sports. I loved exercising. I could eat almost everything and anything without any issues. So for this to happen... I was just overwhelmed. Like so many emotions went through me. So I was scared, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. And I was praying like, please let it be just something temporarily, you know, maybe it was something that I ate that just didn't go down right. So by the time I um, met with the gastroenterologist, he ran additional tests and he also reran the stool culture test just to make sure that maybe at the time that I got tested, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there wasn't enough time for maybe if I had bacteria to kind of dwell and to show an actual true mm-hmm. diagnosis. So everything came back negative and he said, okay, we're going to have to do a colonoscopy and endoscopy to find out what's going on. I had never, ever had a colonoscopy done. Mm-hmm. So I was nervous, but also didn't like the preparation part. <laughs> Ooh, I don't think anyone ever does. I don't think anyone does. <laughs> No, so I um I remember going in. I was just oh, I think that's like you know the part where everyone dreads like okay, this might be the moment. You know, mm-hmm. once I wake up from the procedure, I might have information, and it's yeah. like, is it going to be something good or is it going to be something that's going to be life changing? So after the procedure, once I wake up. Um, the doctor then noticed, he said, I noticed you have colitis, but we also noticed something else that we need to outrule first. So mm. we have to, the biopsy that we took, we have to send it to California within a week or so. We should have the results. So I had to wait a, a, a week that felt like forever. Yeah. I'm so do it closer. Were you living in Florida at the time? Did they have to send, yeah, yeah. They had no, to send it all the way across the country? All or? <laughs> the way across the country. That's crazy. Yes. So I get the results back and it's also Crohn's disease. So who would have thought that I would have wow. colitis and Crohn's together at the same time? You so, are the second person I've heard that after all really? of the interviews I've done, you know, 50 plus, you're the, you're the only second person that has said that they were diagnosed with both at the same really? time. Yeah. Oh, God. I, you know, and I didn't realize how, and I don't think I could say rare, but I think I was more surprised to hear that it wasn't as common to yeah. hear that people would have two diagnoses of mm-hmm. IBD. So and, you know, granted, at the time, I was had just turned 18. The information that was given to me went right through me because I just didn't know. I was overwhelmed, one, with like, oh, wow, I now have an autoimmune mm-hmm. disease that I have to live with. And two, I have no idea what uh, ulcerative colitis is or Crohn's disease is. So yeah. I was just lost. <laughs> so I had no idea that you couldn't have both until later on in mm-hmm. my journey with Crohn's and colitis. So tell me about that. You get your diagnosis and then what was like, what was life like after that of trying to manage it? And then did you notice the difference between when Crohn's versus the ulcerative colitis would flare up or? You know, so, okay. Oh, wow. Where do I begin? 
I, it felt like a roller coaster ride. Um, to be honest with you, I, you know, with just turning 18, you're still a teenager. You're trying to balance out college. Um, because they always say your first semester of, of college is actually one of your toughest because, mm-hmm. you know, it's no longer high school anymore. And then now being dealt with the card of, oh, well, now you have a chronic disease. So I was very overwhelmed. Um, I, uh, whew, I went through many emotions of shock and anger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, asking like, what did I do wrong? You know, what could I have done differently? What did I do to deserve this? Yeah. You know, all those different whys um, run through your mind and also accepting that now what you used to do before can't mm-hmm. be entirely done or at least you can't carry through it with dealing with Crohn's and colitis. It's going to be different. <laughs> it was going to be very different. So I went from not having to worry about having to take so many different pills a day. Before, it was just multivitamins because yeah. I was healthy as can be. So the first, I think, biggest difficulty that I had is waking up in the morning and having to take like they first started me off on acetyl. Mm-hmm. That was my my starter that medication was, too. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, in the beginning, it seemed to have been working, but I had to take I don't remember if it was three pills. The acetyl is a lot. A day. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. I could I can't. So far back, and they're big pills, like they're horse pills, and you're swallowing handfuls of them. (laughs) Yes. So I that was an adjustment. I um, there was a point where I didn't want to take it because I thought, okay, no, I know I can actually battle through Mm -hmm. medication. Doctors are wrong. They don't know what they're (laughs) talking about. And you know, when I noticed that, you know, medications, I have Mm -hmm. to take it, and you know, Mm -hmm. my mom. Bless her heart because, you know, she's an amazing mother and, you know, it's not easy on a parent to hear that their child, you know, now has an illness. So I was going through my moment of, you know, so many emotions and so was my mom. Yeah. At that time, I was young and I didn't really taking consideration as to her feelings. Mm-hmm. I was so focused on me because my whole world just crumbled. Um, so we did have, you know, moments where we were just butting heads. My mom's like, you have to take these medications. You have to take care of yourself because we have to find a way to slow down, you know, the diarrhea and the mm-hmm. abdominal pain. So we, we butted heads. And I guess that was my way of releasing the anger that I had yeah. inside. So I did my first few months were really hard. Um, and I, you know, I tried to fight out the pain that I was feeling, at least abdominal wise. Mm-hmm. There were, I, I admit there were days where I shouldn't have gone to class, but I wanted to finish out the semester and I pushed really hard and probably shouldn't have. But 
I did. And um, thankfully, I have friends that I had created before this had happened Mm -hmm. in my semester. And they helped me to, I guess you could say, make it a little bit easier on me in some sense. There were definitely some low moments, I can definitely say, you know. So it is just, I can definitely, if I can explain my first year with my diagnosis, it was a roller coaster ride of emotions. And I can, I completely get that because you're, you're young and so much is new at that time. Anyways, this is supposed to be the time at 18 when you go experience the world and you're on your own and you're starting college. And then all of a sudden that's just ripped away. And now you've got this disease that you've never heard of before and you're, Mm -hmm. you're battling it. And it's, uh, it is a lot and it is a roller coaster and and you're definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely not alone in that. Yeah. So did you end up getting into remission at all or had you been because it's been quite a few years now that that you've been battling both of these diseases and then compounded on that you get more diagnoses later so what is what has it been like going through everything and did you I know from your last post on social media which was a while ago it sounds like you're finally in a good spot but had you reached remission in all that time there was a at one point so I had gone through several additional medications aside from acetyl. So mm-hmm. acetyl stopped working. And I also, I, this might be a little bit too much information, but you know. This is Crohn's you, disease and yeah, IBD. So <laughs> the I people know. who are listening totally understand. They'll, they'll understand. <laughs> You're right. So, you know, for us, um, sometimes when we can't control our bowel movements, mm-hmm. food isn't digested completely yeah so unfortunately acetyl was finding it in the toilet wow so we knew that we had to change medications so i they have placed me on steroids the prednisone that i think everyone just doesn't i've never heard en- heard good enjoy. things <laughs> no from anybody <laughs> no i definitely didn't enjoy that um and they had me on antibiotics and oh which was flagell and mm-hmm. also 6MP so those three combinations for whatever reason had i think all together was too much on the body to handle yeah, that is a lot and i had experienced some really really bad side effects where i know that actually I think the doctor at the time thought it was more than 6MP and he Mm -hmm. did warn me and say, you know, if I start feeling severe joint pain or um, any other side effects along with it to immediately call Mm -hmm. him right away because then we would have to take you off. So I, I, I don't remember what semester I was in by then, but I was on break. And my family and I decided to travel to Puerto Rico because that's where my family is originally mm-hmm. from. And, oh, I didn't get to enjoy it because oh no! the next morning that I had woken up, I actually couldn't get out of bed. Wow. I was in so much joint pain. It actually hurt to actually breathe as mm. well because my whole back was hurting. It That was, it was very... A moment that I won't forget. Um, yeah. 
and maybe ter- how can I say it terrified me, I should say, as to what medications were capable of doing. Yeah. So at some point we were doing a little better than before when I was placed on Astacol. But I had to be taken off immediately from the 6MP while I was on vacation. I had to call the doctor and let him know what was going on. And he said, we have to stop that right away, but we have mm. to keep you on the antibiotics and also on the prednisone. So, and Talk about adding to that anxiety and scariness to be on vacation away from, like at this point now, you can't even just drive into the doctor's office. No. You're just completely vulnerable in a sense. Yeah, I was honestly terrified and so are my parents my parents i think more than anything and you know moms moms yeah <laughs> bless their hearts she was i think panicking like oh what should we do you know she was looking at doctors around the area and she was she was giving even natural doctors an opportunity i guess you know you go through that yeah. whole like trying out what can help Try in the anything meantime. and everything everything yeah so we, we in the meantime that we were there as i was taken off of the 6MP, the medication was still taking its time to, I guess, come out of your system, come out of the system. Um, So we did see a naturopathic doctor and, but you know, of course, it's just so different information that they give. So we were just anxiously waiting for the end of the trip Mm -hmm. to come back. Thankfully, it was just only for a few, well, yeah, a few days that we were there, but those few days felt like it was way too long than what it should have. Yeah. So when I come back and see the doctor, the doctor wants to place me on a biological drug. I think by then I had, because I was so terrified, I had panic. I'm like, you know, I don't want to be on medication. Mm-hmm. This is just not what I, you know, expected to happen. And what if, you know, because you start reading the list of side effects, like, oh yeah. God, you know, there's cancer and lupus and all these different things. Read all that side fine effects. print and- and you start panicking. So, you know, I did the things that I shouldn't have mm. ever done or what a doctor always advises you to never do. <laughs> I stopped all my medication. All at once. <laughs> all, you know, I mean, I weaned myself off of prednisone the way how the doctor instructed me. But he had no idea that I, after I finished weaning myself off, that I was never going to start back on mm-hmm. any medication. So I kept it to myself <laughs> oh my god if my doctor hears me i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> but um so by that time once i was completely weaned off of the prednisone i was off the antibiotics i just stopped everything i started doing more research and i you know my mom kept saying let's keep looking at the organic stuff let's see what we can do that's not in the pharmaceutical mm-hmm. anything to do with medication route so oh wow i you know we we went to several places we even eventually once i was believe it or not i cut out so much of a lot of food mm-hmm. i went of the vegan route yeah and i did a cold turkey and that for whatever reason was helping me mm-hmm. tremendously and then with the advice that I had gotten from the naturopathic doctors, as far as the type of remedies, you know, probiotics, mm-hmm. the L-glutamine, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I think um, so. That's how I say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, aloe vera and mm-hmm. drinking ginger and turmeric teas, you know, those 
little things will help in some way or form. Mm -hmm. So when I was doing that and being very strict on my diet, I noticed a huge difference. So at one point I was in remission. I think that might've lasted two years. Wow. And you were in your early 20s at this point, probably? Um, Early 20s at this point. I think I was 21. Mm -hmm. 21, yeah. Um, But then all of a sudden, the symptoms started coming back. And I was just so upset. I'm like, no, I thought we were on a good track. But, you know. IBD doesn't doesn't obey the rules all the time. No, it doesn't. It pretty much. I mean, I don't want to say that it, it has a mind of its own, but it, it does, mm-hmm. depending on how well you take care of yourself. But sometimes you could be taking care of yourself so yeah. well that it just, the unexpected happens. And there's things that we don't necessarily think about, too. Oftentimes, we immediately think of diet, of course, because I think we diet can make our symptoms immediately noticeable, but we often don't think about things like sleep and stress and just changes in lifestyle that, you know, we're thinking, well, I'm working out and being healthy and I'm eating right, but we don't think about all these other, even chemicals in our makeup or household products that it doesn't, you know, we just don't know how little we need to get pushed over the edge and out of remission. Yeah, no, you make a very good point, you know, and you know, like for instance, sleeping, I wasn't sleeping the greatest, but Mm -hmm. I didn't really know as to why I just thought, okay, maybe the bed is uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, but then as time went on, I realized, yeah, no, this is actually part of going through the journey with Crohn's disease and colitis. And then, you know, especially when it, when you are on medications, it also affects your sleeping as well. So it's just weird. And I think I remember seeing um, certain posts on other bloggers, which I can very relate. During Mm -hmm. the day, you're exhausted as can be and you can't wait for the day to come back home and lay in bed and go to sleep. But then all of a sudden at night, (laughs) you can't fall asleep. Yeah. So it it happens. So, yeah, it it, it affects you in so many different ways. Yeah. So what happened? Tell me how you got to where you're at now. So you were doing good for a while. Then you'd mentioned you fell out of remission. And so take me through from that point to where you're at now, because you feel it sounds like you're in a good spot now. And and there was a surgery in between there. And so a lot has happened. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll definitely I'll fill in the gaps. So yes. So once I um, go through my moment of like, oh, my God, Going the medication-free route helped me mm-hmm. to, oh my goodness, I now have abdominal pain that is not going away. Um, now having diarrhea that's just going 10 times or more a day, mm-hmm. I have no choice but to admit myself into the ER. Or I should say, go to the ER. The ER has to admit me. And they run all the, you know, lovely all the same examinations. <laughs> yes. And they realize, yep you're under a relapse, you need to be put on medication. If you've listened to episode 45 of this podcast, you already know that I came across another gut-friendly company doing amazing things in the nutrition space through our incredible IBD network. Sylvia Tam, founder of Beviva Foods, has developed her gut-friendly snacks 
for people on the go. Her snacks are not only easy to digest, they're portable and delicious. I honestly love all her Purpo products, but the Purpo granola is my favorite. It's made of real ingredients, no fillers or junk, easy to throw into my purse to have on the go, and gives me that slightly sweet and delicious crunch that I'm always looking for. Listen to episode 45 of this podcast to hear Sylvia's personal IBD journey and how she started Baviva Foods. And for 15% off your order, use code CFF15 at bevivafoods.com. So I was so stubborn. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll take the, the steroids and everything that you're giving me. I think stubbornness is a trait of IBDers. <laughs> yes, it is. It really, truly is. And, you know, and I think, and maybe I could be wrong, but it stubbornness, I think also you're just not ready to accept fully that you mm-hmm. have to accept the new norm in your yeah. life. But this is, even though you have Crohn's disease and colitis, <clears throat> sorry, it doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was my issue. I felt defined mm-hmm. by my diagnosis. I didn't feel like Nicole anymore. I felt like a foreign person in a different body. Especially because I imagine it sounds like you gave up a lot. I, I know in one post that I read mm-hmm. is that you were mm-hmm. really active. You did all kinds of, I think, Taekwondo and, and athletics and sports and just everything under the sun, you were incredibly mm-hmm. active. And then I'd read that that really became a challenge since oh, diagnosis, yeah. that your yeah. whole life just changed. Yeah, that was a huge crush for me. It really was because I love being physically active. Um, I, When I went to college, I was hoping to join several mm-hmm. sports um, and even, and, you know, music is also was and still is a part of my life. I, you know, I played musical instruments and I was hoping to join the, um, band, mm-hmm. the nerd in me. I embrace it, but <laughs> I, um, my husband was in band. <laughs> oh, awesome. What instrument did he play? Drums. Or, oh, awesome. Yeah. See, I was clarinet and mellophone. I did mm. two different things. So I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hoping to, pursue that and just Mm -hmm. I truly love actually being involved in so many different things so when I saw that I couldn't even get up from bed and be able to actually go up and down the stairs because I was also anemic too from Crohn's Mm -hmm. disease and colitis I just was so I think broken on the inside because the person who I used to be I no longer could be and I was fighting it tooth and nail and I think that's what contributed to my stubbornness because mm-hmm. I didn't want to let go. I didn't want to let go. I was afraid of the unknown, afraid that if I let go, I would become someone that I didn't recognize. But little did I know I was becoming unrecognizable by holding mm-hmm. on to that stubbornness. So I, of course, I was stubborn for a while after that <laughs> ER visit. And the hospitalization, I, I think I ended up in the ER two other times. And I think mm-hmm. what did it was when I was told that my iron levels actually, they dropped significantly where they could not release me. They had mm-hmm. to admit me. And I had 
to get two, yeah, bl- uh, blood um, transfusions. Mm-hmm. That right there, I think, made things more real, and it woke me up more that I have to go back to seeing my doctor. Yeah. So that was that was another like a roller coaster of emotions because you think you know you you have everything handled and you think that you may have accepted things but when certain things happen in your life to kind of wake you up and rattle you you realize wow you know I don't have this completely handled I don't Mm -hmm. know everything and I thought I had this handled and I, I really don't like uh, as far as acceptance wise. Yeah, I completely so, agree and understand. I mean, it's a very devastating feeling when you think, especially when you get to a point where you're feeling good and you almost feel like you're starting to rock and roll a little bit, like things are going well. And then you just mm-hmm. get just knocked all the way down and it's just, it's devastating. It's really hard to, to yeah. accept like this, this thing that you, you can't see and you can't fight and you're doing everything you can that you think is supposed to help. And it's just not working. Yeah. Oh yeah. If there was ever a, a handbook of how to cope and how to accept, you know, it make life easier, but unfortunately there's not, I mean, I'm sure there's books out there, but thing is that everyone journey is so different Mm -hmm. you know it's not a clear path you know sometimes it takes a person to go through so many different experiences to find realize yeah we have to do things differently you kind of have to go on that roller coaster ride yeah and then come off it at the end to realize how you got through it exactly so when i i got back in touch with my parents Mm-hmm. Oh, that was just a lovely reunion there. He was happy to see <laughs> me, but at the same time, he's like, "Where did you go?" And, you know. Yeah, I, and I think sometimes I think sometimes we don't think about our doctors that way because I'm often surprised how my doctor actually does remember me just from the comments they'll make or the things yeah. they'll, they'll say. And it's like, how do you remember me out of however? hundreds or thousands of patients. I don't know how many you have, but they really, they do, especially the good ones. They really do care yeah. and they remember you. And it's, and yeah. sometimes it's easy to forget that because we're just in our own world battling what exactly. we have to do every day. Exactly. And, you know, you bring a very good point too. You know, doctors really do play a factor as to how comfortable your appointments can mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Because if you don't have a doctor that's not understanding and not willing to actually sit there and listen to you mm-hmm. talk about what's going on, then it makes the experience more uncomfortable. And I think it feels like an unsuccessful doctor's appointment. Yeah, so I agree. I got lucky that the doctor that I had, I was in Florida at the time, he was great. He really was. He tried to help me as best as he can he really bends forward and backwards for me mm-hmm. so you know he ran he actually needed an MRI um and all those lovely other scans mm-hmm. now MRIs doing the test not so bad the preparation <laughs> oh I just don't like it oh if I could just skip that part and just get to the testing I wouldn't mind it but yeah, that was just an experience. So once we did the MRI, 
we realized that there was an area that the MRI wasn't able to pick up that well. Mm-hmm. Um, was it an MRI with contrast or with contrast? Yeah. So he figured, okay, let's do a colonoscopy and see if we can see further. Unfortunately, because I had too much inflammation going on, he wasn't able to mm-hmm. really see much into it. So surgery was an option. The next option, I should say. Mm-hmm. So as much as we wanted to avoid it, we um, actually, we tried avoiding it by just a few months. Mm-hmm. He put me on Humira. I had to get over my phobia of biological drugs and the mm-hmm. possibility of side effects. I was placed on Humira. Humira was just, didn't seem like it was doing anything because I ended up in the ER. And um, it just... The, the inflammation just got so worse that steroids, even though, yes, okay, it's a temporary fix, but something has to be done. Um, by then, the doctor said, yeah, we're going to have to have you go see a colorectal surgeon. So I went. They had to do, I think it's called a sigmoidoscopy. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see what was going on because I had also, which I actually forgot to mention, um, I had a fistula. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to see if it was actually healed or if it was still active um, before they pursued the route of surgery. They wanted to know what they were getting themselves into mm-hmm. and, and decide, okay, what type of procedure we're going to have to do. So they did that. <clears throat> At the time, the fistula was actually, it actually was healed. Oh, wow. So they couldn't, they didn't have to do anything. So <clears throat> from what I heard at that time, having a fistula heal mm-hmm. isn't as common. So I was very lucky on yeah. that. So once he gave me the pretty much the whole bigger picture of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go in laparoscopically and then um, take it from there and see what's going on. Surgery. I've never had surgery before. So not even on like not related to IBD, just no surgery. No, this is Mm going to be my, that was going to be my first surgery. So I, um, I was so nervous. I was treading it and I was putting off the surgery, but I couldn't because I wasn't mm-hmm. getting any better because, you know, when you hear, you know, the possibilities of what can happen. Yeah. Especially um, as we're an adult, when, when you're a child, your brain only goes so far, but then when you're an adult, exactly. it's almost like you can just send yourself down all these rabbit holes of, of thoughts and horrible things. Mm-hmm. And so it, I think mm-hmm. it's harder to process. <laughs> it is. It really is. So, oh, and then, you know, I think for me, and, you know, it's just amazing how with time, when you picture yourself then and now, how you're in a different place. Mm -hmm. During that time when I was being told that I needed to have surgery, when I was being given the explanations of all different possibilities, they had mentioned that, you know, there might be a possibility that when you wake up, you might actually have an ostomy bag. Mm -hmm. I was just heartbroken. I'm like, oh my God, do I really have to, you know, 
I wasn't prepared for that because again, I hadn't fully accepted myself mm-hmm. with a disease that couldn't be healed. Mm-hmm. So I was just terrified. So the buildup to waiting to have the surgery was just very stressful. So when I had the surgery, waking up from it, you know, no one ever wakes up feeling great after surgery, but Mm -hmm. the process of healing afterwards, it took actually longer. Um, The way how my... What they did was a um, right hemicolectomy. That was the surgery. Before I, I go on to that, so mm-hmm. the surgeon was supposed to do a laparoscopic procedure. Unfortunately, when he went in, he realized that part of my small intestine was starting to t- deteriorate. Oh, wow. And they saw, I believe, a portion of the large intestine that was connected to the small mm-hmm. intestine. It had actually collapsed over a part of my small intestine. Mm. So they had to pull back and actually open me up. Wow. And they had to pull out about a foot of my small intestine and 10 inches from my large. So... When you hear from the doctor after the procedure saying that, you know, you were very lucky. Yeah. It had you had waited that hole that the intestine was, well, I should say the, from long term damaging inflammation, because as we know, Crohn's disease, it eats through all your layers. So when they saw how fine and thin that layer was, they said that if I had waited longer, the intestine would have actually opened up and then I would have had ruptured and a, it would have ruptured and then the possibility of sepsis happening. Wow. So it was a a moment where I think that just shocks me even more as to how dangerous it is if you keep on waiting and you keep mm-hmm. pushing because you're not ready to actually have these procedures done. Yeah. So the healing process didn't go as smoothly as how I thought it would. The area where they um, resected didn't heal properly, so I developed adhesion tissue. Mm-hmm. And the way how the intestines, I, the way it was formed, it was a bit bent. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really able to eat food, mm. um, especially food that was binding. So Anything other than soup? <laughs> anything other than soup, anything other than any kind of liquid. So I had moments where I had a partial blockage. Um, and, you know, and that's actually now speaking of blockage, there's actually a story that I did forget to actually talk mm-hmm. about. That was a big aha moment for me to go back to see the doctors. Um I actually had my first intestinal blockage. I had no idea what was going on. And because I wasn't as educated and I didn't do as much research as I should have, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that by not going to the bathroom was not a good thing. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I'm going back to normal. I'm not using the bathroom as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by the third day, I was in so much pain. Mm -hmm. I actually was throwing up bile 
And that's when I thought, okay, yep, we got to go to the ER. Um, that was a close encounter where I needed to almost have an emergency surgery. Instead, they put me on an, a nasal gastric tube. Mm. Not a fun experience at all because they had to reinsert it three different times. Oh, wow. The first two times they inserted in the wrong, the oh, wrong side no. where it was pulling out blood. Oh, so that was no. my, that was my other big shaker other yeah. than the needing the blood transfusion now that I'm remembering <laughs> of how just how so, serious IBD how serious is. it was yes I had no idea that all of these things could happen so now back to you know the part yeah. where me recovering from the surgery I was afraid I'm like oh my god intestinal blockage we have to avoid that because I think I had gone a little bit traumatized mm-hmm. in that experience I wasn't eating as much of solid food. I was liquefying mm-hmm. food and drinking inshores or booze. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not the greatest on the stomach, but I just wasn't able to eat solid food because my portion of where I had the resection wasn't easily allowing things to flow through easily. So... I had to see my doctor. More tests were done imaging-wise to figure out, okay, what's really going on? And the MRI did show that there was, you know, an issue going on in the area where I had the surgery. They suggested having um, a colonoscopy done, but to stretch out the area. Mm. So... We did that. That was my first experience doing it. It was uncomfortable after that procedure because I felt still so raw. Mind you, this was months after having the surgery. So I had enough time Mm -hmm. to heal. But my body just didn't... I guess everybody is so different. My body was just so sensitive to little things. So having that area... the part of their section stretched it was just uncomfortable um and i thought okay you know what we'll deal with it we'll see maybe this should be it i want to say maybe two months after having that procedure done i noticed that i was having the same issues i wasn't Mm. able to eat solid food it wasn't passing through easily and the thing is that wasn't the only issue now that was happening I started noticing that my bottom area Mm -hmm. was uncomfortable. And I thought, okay, maybe it's just the hemorrhoids that's bothering me. I don't think I've ever felt the, I don't want to say pain. Mm -hmm. I can tolerate pain, but it was just the level of really pure discomfort where I couldn't sit on the chair properly. I couldn't walk too far. I was having low-grade fevers, nice sweats. And believe it or not, my heart rate was also being affected by what was happening. Was it higher or lower? It was a lot higher, mm-hmm. a lot higher. I was always in a, a, a tachycardiac wow. phase. Mm-hmm. So oh, I can't even, so many doctor visits and phone calls later, we have to do another colonoscopy to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Come to find out. I have perianal Crohn's mm. in the lower rectal anal areas. So 
And this was I, 2017, right? That you yes, got that 2017 diagnosis. when I had that diagnosis. Oh yeah, I was not happy at all, at all to hear that now I have now an, another part of my uh, body that's affected mm-hmm. by Crohn's disease. Just I was not happy. I thought, okay, you know, they say once you have surgery, so they say, mm-hmm. once you have surgery, you should be fine. A few years later, you don't have to worry about, you know, any issues happening. Not the case with me. The, you know, the healing process was very difficult. It was complicated. And then come to find out that now I had perianal Crohn's. So at this point, had you still not fully accepted? Cause you talked about that a couple of times of not really accepting yeah. the disease and the diagnosis. Had this still, had you still not fully accepted was, at that point or? I was getting better. I was, I actually mm-hmm. had gone past a lot of hurdles by then but then as I was getting so positive mm-hmm. to hear now that I have another diagnosis it brought me back a few steps backwards yeah so all that hope that I was building up to and a positivity just kind of got taken away at least a few steps mm-hmm. um it, it definitely, I, I just was like, okay, what's going on? This is a joke, right? Because how can I be having all these different diagnoses? I don't understand. I meet other people and they say they're perfectly fine. They're on these other medications and has mm-hmm. been treating them. I haven't come across anyone that was going through the same experiences that I was. So I kept thinking I must be doing something wrong or I just must have bad luck. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, that was another moment where Again, now we have to accept the fact that we now have an additional diagnosis. So doctor was trying to do everything that he could. Um, because I think if I, if correct me if I'm wrong, but with, uh, having perianal Crohn's disease, there's not that many medication out, medi- I guess you could say successful mm-hmm. medications out there that can tr- truly control the symptoms in that area versus had it been just in the small intestine. Mm -hmm. There's a medication, a different form of budesonide. Mm -hmm. It's in a form of foam and I forgot the name of it, but they actually created purposely for perianal Crohn's. It was still freshly new. Um, It's literally a foam that you actually inject inside of your rectal area so mm-hmm. that it's heavily concentrated because they say that if you take the pill of the um, steroid, it's not going to reach the ends of that segment mm-hmm. of your digestive tract in time to really fully give off the the power that it needs. Is it similar to the Rawasa enemas? I had, I was prescribed those at one point early on and they were kind of like a almost like a foam enema, basically. But then you just had to, because that way, you know, the medication, just like you're describing it, it's topical at that point. So it's applied directly to the affected Mm -hmm. area. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds pretty much like it. So that's how it was. So it was helping for a few weeks. Then we noticed the body was starting to, I don't, I can't say resist 
Mm-hmm. I just, well, maybe it could have, who knows? It just wasn't enough anymore. So I was getting desperate. By then, medical insurance became a problem because when the new year was coming, um, you know, when you have to chair, I had Obamacare at that time. The job that I had during that time, they didn't have great insurance. I needed really good insurance. Yeah. So I went through the Obamacare and I had to choose the highest plan possible. And mm. fortunately, going through private insurance is expensive. So the thing is, is that when the new year came in, um, this was 2018, the insurances had changed so much because during that time, Obamacare, they took a lot of funding away when we received our new, yeah. new president. Um, so so many things were changing. Um, the plan that I had to choose was not the highest plan that I had the year prior mm-hmm. because now because of the funding not being fully provided anymore, I had to choose a plan below what I already had. Gosh. So that means I had higher out-of-pocket max. Mm-hmm. I had only... Uh, a limited option of doctors I can see. So certain things were happening where I had to... Probably adding more to anxiety and stress, which doesn't help IBD. For sure. (laughs) So no. So I had to eventually venture out and see a different doctor, a doctor that was recommended by my primary doctor at the time, where she had mentioned down in Miami that there was a Crohn's and colitis clinic that I Mm. think that maybe might benefit from them. So as that was happening, I, sorry, the transition to kind of feel out the doctors down there, um, I think I was blown away as to the knowledge that this doctor was able mm-hmm. to, to provide to me that unfortunately my sweet doctor that I've been with for so long couldn't. So that was an eye opener for me. And I realized, you know what? I think I'm being uh, undertreated mm-hmm. because the doctor that I've been seeing for such a long time his knowledge wasn't as profound as the doctor was. Not a specialist. Yeah. 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 So it was just, oh, I I mean, the list just goes on as far as the journey goes. What I can say about that appointment with that doctor, he was able to give me more information that the doctor that originally was with couldn't. Um... They changed me from Humira to Remicade. Mm-hmm. He said that Humira, I was on it for too long. I was on it for, I think, two and a half, so almost three years. He said that was too long for the doctor to have kept me on it, that he mm-hmm. should have changed it immediately when he noticed that I wasn't getting any better. So he put me on Remicade. Remicade, I was nervous about because doctors are a little bit nervous as to the side effects to it. I was on it and it actually was really helping for the Perino Crohn's. But then, of course, we go into, I think, three months later after, you know, going through, because you have to go through the um, beginning, I don't want to say preparation, but introducing the drug Mm -hmm. and then going on your maintenance uh, dose. So I just, once I was nearing towards, because they had me at every eight weeks to receive Remicade. By the fifth week, 
my bottom area was so inflamed. Mm. And the reason how I know that is because I was in so much pain. Yeah. And I wasn't passing stool. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have the area where I had a resection that was narrowing down, I also had my rectum area that was also narrowing down too because of inflammation. So I went through a really tough time being able to feel normal. I think Mm -hmm. at this point where, where I thought I had at least gotten myself back up from hearing my diagnosis from perianal Crohn's, I just took many steps back because now I couldn't eat anything without mm-hmm. having a blockage issue. And then the doctors, they were trying everything that they could. Insurance was becoming more and more of an issue. Um, the way how I was being billed for the, the services was coming out to a hospital bill because mm-hmm. of their specialty was their location site was within a hospital, even though it shouldn't have been built in a doctor setting. It was being built as a hospital setting. Oh, no. So my bills were just not looking nice at all whatsoever. Oh, so no. I had to step back from that doctor. I got excited at least in the moment, like, okay, I have a doctor that knows what he's talking about. That just didn't help. I had to, he referred me out to a doctor that he knew that could continue to help me through him it just wasn't the same they kept doing the uh procedures where they had to stretch me out mm-hmm. but the thing is you know eventually that doesn't become safe once yeah. you you stretch out two segments of your intestine you're weakening the walls of it so it just wasn't turning out to be it's not sustainable. A option. No, yeah. it, it wasn't. So I started losing a lot of weight. I tried as hard as I can to maintain my weight with, you know, the um, liquefying the meals and then drinking um, the carnation breakfast drinks mm-hmm. and then the booze. I mean, it's just <laughs> so many different liquid options that I, I was trying to really utilize to my advantage because I was losing so much weight. And then, of course, we're already vitamin deficient. Mm-hmm. So I, I just couldn't go. How can I say? I didn't want to make myself a lot worse because I didn't yeah. want to be put on a feeding tube, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, it just wasn't working out anymore with the doctors, uh, down in Florida where I was getting very desperate. And I figured, you know what? I have to start venturing out and see, okay, is there other doctors that I can see out of state or maybe hours away? Mm-hmm. After research, I can't even tell you how many hours, days, weeks that I put into researching. I came across one doctor in New York City that had good reviews. I went to them. It wasn't just something about it just wasn't making me feel completely comfortable to say this is the mm-hmm. doctor. So I fly back and forth. Um, and then I find another doctor who she works with near Presbyterian Hospital, and she's part of the Will Cornell Medicine um, Department. She has a, amazing reviews, and I figured, okay, you know what? She's been doing this pretty much all her life. She's a gastroenterologist, but she specializes in Crohn's and colitis. She mm-hmm. teaches it. She's part of the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation as well. 
She's a big advocate for women's health and all these. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has a checking list of all the boxes, <laughs> all the boxes, falling so in like, love with her. <laughs> yes. So I figured, you know what? What do I have to lose? So I, I first had to call my insurance to make sure that she was within network. That had to be nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, it was nerve wracking. I was so nervous. I'm like, please, God, please, please, yeah. please let her be in network. She thankfully was. And mm-hmm. I, as soon as I found out, I called. I, um, sent over all my medical records because that's what they had wanted before I could make the appointment. Mm-hmm. Once they received everything, I got the phone call that I had the green light to actually move on forward. I made the appointment as soon as I possibly could and I flew out. Wow. I when I met her, oh my God, I think I it was emotional for me because I it was a saving moment for me where yeah. I found a doctor Hi, everyone. We're going to break here for today in Nicole's journey, and we'll be back next week as she continues her battle against IBD with the support of a new doctor 1,200 miles away in New York City. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohn'sfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at crohn'sfitnessfood, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.crohn'sfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember... Be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.